Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy for me to be here, for us to be together, whether you're joining us online or in person. We are excited to have you with us so that we can, uh, we can grow in relationship with one another, grow in relationship with God, so that we can be more like Jesus Christ, so that we can strive and struggle to be this, this thing called the church uh, made up of individuals growing in relationship so that we can be more like Jesus. Uh, my hope is that if you're new here, that you will feel uh, welcome here, that you know that we're excited that you have chosen to spend a bit of your time with us and uh, realize that in us, we, we recognize we're not perfect, and, and, and sometimes we struggle and have to work to be more like Jesus more, more than others, uh, but we also know that Jesus is perfect, and we can be more like Him through community, through growing in grace and growing in relationship, and we want to invite you to join us, to join us in this growth in grace, this, this idea of being the church, of growing in this relationship and doing the things that Jesus has called us to do. Uh, that's one of the reasons we're starting this brand new sermon series called Moral of the Story. The idea of story is just so powerful to each and every one of us. I mean, story moves us. Story is what can, uh, can cause us to be moved to tears or moved to laughter, sometimes moved to laughter that has tears involved in it. Uh, it's it's the, the way that um, we are able to communicate, and whether it's through books or through somebody telling you a story or through movies or TV, stories are powerful. Stories can help us to perceive the world a little bit differently. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I'm going to confess here. I'm kind of one of those guys that if I'm reading the, the book, and it's actually a paper book because it's harder to do if somebody's telling you you can't force them to skip ahead. But if I'm reading the book and I don't like what's going on, I skip ahead, like sometimes a lot. If, if something's happening to the characters, if I'm upset with how the author is having bad stuff happen to the people that now I have grown to love and care about, uh, I, I get upset with it. And so I skip ahead so that I can make sure they're safe. Sometimes Sometimes I've been known to go all the way to the end and, and make sure that the people that I care about are still there so that I don't have to be like, well, I'm just not going to read this book because if, if, if everybody dies, I'm just not happy with the way the story is going. So one of the things that I've noticed, though, is a lot of times when I go through and I do that, uh, I can miss plot points. I can miss important pieces of the story which explain the, the trials and, and struggles of the characters and how they got from point A to point B, how they were changed or grew. And, and when that happens, I miss out on growing with them and being changed by them because truly that's what a good story does. A good story will help us to perceive the world a little differently, to understand things a little differently. Uh, when we ha hit the moral of the story, we can understand things a little bit better. And I love stories with deep meaning or hidden meaning, something that you kind of have to tease out to understand. And we've been reading these stories since we were little kids. 
Um, you know, some of the famous fairy tales out there are powerful examples of this. Here's an example. Uh, maybe you have re- remember the story of Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel, great story. Uh, two kids, they wander off from home. The first time they use stones uh, to mark their trail and make it back. The second time they choose to use breadcrumbs. And the birds come and eat the breadcrumbs. They get lost and, and they end up at a witch's cabin, right? And so the moral of the story isn't, hey, bread is bad to mark your trails. The moral of the story is really don't, don't take candy from strangers or don't wander off into the woods alone. And, and so these stories help us to understand things. And these are kids' stories, and, and they're meant to help children to have a better understanding of the world around them. Hey, people that live in candy houses, that's kind of creepy. Be careful. Be wary of that. Or maybe maybe you remember the story of the emperor's new clothes. I, I love this story. Um, and it's about a, a guy that uh, he is prideful and, and wants the best clothes. And he hires these folks that say they have mystical clothing that only people that are good of heart, only people that are good people can actually see the clothing. And, and you know, they're pretending to sew with invisible thread. And, and the more of this story is not don't trust people with invisible thread, although that's a powerful one, but truly the moral of this story is don't fear telling the truth. And, and when you read through the story, you, you can be captivated by the foolishness of the emperor and the people uh, only to be convicted by the child telling the truth. And, and that's why these, these stories are so powerful. Or maybe more recently, Snow White, not super recent. Uh, actually, Snow White is a really old story, but Disney made it more famous. Uh, and the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and whether or not, you know, it, it is the moral of the story, hey, don't take apples from creepy old ladies. Probably not. The moral of this story is more along the lines of vanity, because the witch wanted to be the most beautiful in all of the kingdom, and the difficulty came when somebody else, when the mirror said somebody else was more beautiful. And that that caused her to be upset because she wanted to be the most beautiful. So her vanity got the best of her, and she caused a problem which eventually came back to bite her. So vanity is the moral of the uh, is an absence or working against vanity is the moral of that story. More recently, there's an author uh, I, I loved the book series, but it's uh, the author's name is N.K. Jemison, and she wrote uh, this series called The Broken Earth, and she talks about the earth through the lens of racial and ecological injustice. And I I love the series because it's far-fetched, it's fantasy, it's not reality, but when, when, uh, when I was reading through the story, one of the things that got me was the difficulties that uh, people were causing to other people because of uh, the, their ethnicity and things like that, the racial profiles that were going on. And it just, I, like, I, was, I was upset with how people were being treated. And in hindsight, it's one of those things. The, the moral of this story is we need to treat people better. We need to treat the world better. So morals in the story help us to understand. And the truth is that moving stories also move us. And, and that's because there is a deep vein of truth or hidden meaning sometimes that allows us to grow in relationship to the, the people in the story 
and then changes us in our relationships with people outside of the story. Good stories cause us to pause and evaluate and, and maybe even move where we are so that we can get, we can understand, we can perceive the moral, that, that fiber of importance in all of the stories we hear. Now, I, I realize not all stories are meaningful. Not all stories are, are, are useful in this way, but the most meaningful stories challenge us and push us to grow and to change, to be more aware. And when we finish a book that makes us perceive the world a little bit differently, it can be a powerful thing. And so it's no wonder that Jesus' main medium for communicating deep truths, that Jesus' main medium for uh, engaging with people was the use of stories. Jesus used stories to convey meaning, deeper meaning, understandings beyond what the story looked like on the surface. And, and it was a popular teaching method at the time. Actually, it's called a parable. And this was the, the definition in my, I have a, a really good Bible software piece, and this is the definition of parable in that software. A parable, an extended metaphor or simile, frequently becoming a brief narrative generally used in biblical times for didactic purposes. Now, I don't know about you, but that definition is harder for me to understand than most stories. And so the definition truly just means it's a story for a teaching purpose that Jesus had in mind to teach us something through the stories that he told. Hopefully we get that if we've ever been in church before, but if you're new to the church, just know that it's intentional. Jesus wants to use story to help us to understand some deeper truths. And the word parable, actually, so that we can understand it a little bit better, uh, comes from two Greek words, a, a Greek conjunction. The first word is para, which is beside or alongside. And the second word is balo, which is to throw. And so a parable in, in the simplest terms is to throw alongside. The idea is if I throw a ball to you and I'm throwing it straight to you, you don't have to move to catch it. But if I throw something to you and I'm not throwing it far enough, or if I throw it to your right or to your left, you have to move in order to catch it. And the same is true of the meaning of the stories that Jesus told. We have to move so that we can understand better the meaning of the story. It also comes from a Hebrew word, mashal. The idea behind mashal is more of a riddle, a word puzzle, something that challenges us to understand it. And I don't know about you, I, I love riddles. I'm not very good at them, but I love them. And so this to me is just one of those things where I, I enjoy the prospect of trying to dig in and understand what Jesus is saying. Now, it's important for us to understand why Jesus used parables. Jesus used parables so that the meaning could be conveyed, but also because he wanted people to be challenged by the message. They needed to be challenged so that they would move to understand. And when they didn't move to understand, it was difficult to get them 
to, to gather that meaning. A lot of people went away from Jesus frustrated because they were like, I just don't understand. And they're not trying to understand. We, we see a great picture of this in Mark's gospel. Now, Mark was one of the, the folks that came after that told the stories of the apostles. Uh, so he was not one of the disciples when Jesus was alive, uh, but one of the disciples of the apostles that were around when Jesus was alive. And so Mark tells Peter's story, and, and Mark says this, when he was alone, Jesus, when he was alone, the 12 and others around him, so he truly wasn't alone, but what this means is when the crowd dissipated, and those that were still interested, those that were passionate about what Jesus was saying had stuck around. Not everybody was sticking around. Some people decided, hey, this guy is a fruitcake. Some people decided, hey, I need to, to go and tend to my own stuff. And, and instead of seeking to understand better or be moved or be changed, they, they decided to, to head out. Those that stuck around, though, Jesus asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, this can sound like Jesus is being very exclusionary, right? Like he's saying, you guys are the only ones that matter. And if you get this, then you're on the right track. And, and what Jesus is saying is they're not willing to stick around. Their unwillingness to move prevents them from understanding, from seeking to grow and change and be changed so that they could be more like what Jesus is calling us to live like, so that they could experience this transformation that God is calling them to. And so I, I love this picture because this paints a, a pretty good picture for us today. If we listen to the words that Jesus says and we walk away and we don't put them into practice, then, then we're, we're not benefiting from what Jesus is saying. So the hope is that we will invest our time, our energy, our effort in understanding what Jesus is saying so that we can be moved, so that we can change, so that we can grow in our understanding of who God is and what God is calling us to. And, and that's the whole idea behind this, this series, to, to grow a little bit in our understanding of these parables that we're going to walk through and talk through, but also to be changed to move a little bit so that we can have a deeper understanding, better growth in our spirituality so that we can be more like Jesus. And so we're going to start this series with one of the shortest parables, but don't let the size of the parable fool you. Um, it's the parable of the mustard seed. And maybe you have heard this before. If you're new to the church, don't worry, we're going to dive into it. Uh, but it's, it's only a couple of verses, and it says this. He, Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that birds can come and perch and its branches. The kingdom of heaven 
is like a mustard seed. I, I, I don't know about you, but on surface value, maybe if this is the first time you've ever heard this, you're like, man, this is a weird story. Man, the kingdom of heaven is weird. Uh, and and uh, truly, I think that there is some value to, to getting that on first glance of this parable, that, that what Jesus is saying is difficult at best for us to really understand. And so we want to dive in and maybe see a little bit about what uh, what Jesus is saying. But before we do that, we need to understand the difficulty, the thing, the, the, the difficulty that Jesus is having in coming up with uh, a, a way to communicate the kingdom of heaven. Because Jesus has experienced firsthand the kingdom of heaven. He knows what it's like and what it's about. Humanity, on the other hand, has not yet experienced fully the kingdom of heaven. And so when Jesus is talking about it, it's a difficult concept for him to allow us to understand because he can't use words that we know and understand. He has to use allegory or uh, pictures so that he can communicate the truth of the kingdom. And, and I've got a good friend, he says it this way, describing the kingdom of heaven to people it's like trying to explain the color blue to somebody who was born blind. It's just difficult. When we were in staff meeting, I was talking about this, and, and Mason, who is our tech guy, he said, actually, I think describing the kingdom of heaven is more like trying to explain a credit score to an amoeba. Um, first, the amoeba just can't understand a credit score. Second, a credit score is kind of a weird thing to grown people too, because it's different from one to the other. And so it's just a hard concept to try and explain. And so when, when we try to understand what Jesus is talking about, we have to understand first that he's up against a difficult concept because it's not a concept that we have. And so communicating that is hard. So he tries to use pictures, parables, to explain the truth of the kingdom, the, the kernel of truth of the kingdom, so that we can move and be moved by that. And so the, the core understanding that we need to take away from this, maybe the base piece from this, this story that Jesus tells is that the kingdom of heaven starts small, but it grows. It's not what was expected. The Jews at the time expected the Messiah, the Son of God that was to come, would come and usher in a new age for them by kicking Rome out and being a geopolitical ruler. And that's not what Jesus came for. Jesus came to usher in, instead of a geopolitical rule, the kingdom rule. Jesus came to bring the kingdom around, to bring the kingdom into perspective and into focus and into reality. It was almost imperceptible. Again, they expected some special person, and instead, Jesus, born lowly and in a manger, was the start of the kingdom here on earth. And what's interesting is the parable says it's going to grow into one of the, the largest of all plants in the garden, right? It starts super tiny, and then it grows into a massive tree. And, and these trees are eight to 10 feet tall. Um, and, 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 you know, Jesus says, and the birds of the field come and nest 
in the branches. It's so big that it even impacts things that are outside of the tree. So it, it, it provides shade and coolness, and, and the branches are a good place for the birds to rest. And so when we see this, the kingdom started imperceptibly, so small that it was almost not even noticed. And yet, it grew and developed and changed into something so large that it can't be missed. And that's exactly what happened with the kingdom of God. It started off small with Jesus as an infant and grew when he called his disciples and when the disciples and others got excited and motivated by the power of the Holy Spirit to go into the world, the kingdom grew and grew and grew so big, so massive that even that, that nothing in the world hasn't been impacted by the, the kingdom of God. God's kingdom has changed everything. God's kingdom has moved our understanding and our moral, morality, our moral compass has been shifted because of the kingdom of God. And so what, what is the moral of the story for, for us? What is the moral? Yeah, so if, if we look at it and we say, well, that's exactly what happened. The kingdom grew and flourished and, and that's good. Uh, that, then we're missing out on the, the moral of the story for us individually, because we have to move to catch the meaning. And, and the truth is this, the kingdom of God is still advancing. The kingdom of God is still growing, still flourishing, and still in need of us to be a part of that, because we have all been called to grow and change and move and be more like Jesus and grow in that relationship. And, and so the real question is are you going to help out or are you just going to nest like the birds, those that benefit from the kingdom but aren't really a part of the kingdom? And, and it's, it's so difficult because it's a hard concept, but it's also difficult to really just say, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you everything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into this kingdom concept to allow myself to be a part of it, because what Jesus also is asking is not for us just to be a part of something external, but allow our faith to grow in the same way that the kingdom does. Because the truth is, the kingdom of God is something that is available in each and every one of us through faith. That when we embrace this concept of the kingdom of God growing and flourishing and, and being a part of it, that we also understand that our faith needs to grow and flourish. We can't leave our faith tiny and imperceptible. We have to have it grow and, and transform us from the inside out. And it's not our faith alone that does it, but the presence of God's Holy Spirit in us that moves us to grow to deeper faithfulness, to grow to deeper commitment, and to be more like Jesus. I, I don't know if you remember, but Jesus also compares our faith to a mustard seed. And that He's saying, even if you have the smallest faith, it's going to be powerful. He says this, because you have so little faith, truly, I tell you, he was talking to his disciples. They had gone out trying to cast out uh, demons, and one of them, it didn't work. And so Jesus kind of reprimanded him, reprimanded them. Hey, it's because you didn't have enough faith. I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. So the real question is, 
Are we going to allow God to change us, to shift us, to help us to grow? Are, are, are you willing to grow your faith and be fruitful for the kingdom of God? Are you willing to allow God in? Are you willing to move to catch the meaning of this parable, to get the moral of the story so that you can be a person allowing God to change you from the inside out? Or are you just going to continue uh, to, to hang out and, and be a part of the garden instead of truly being a part of the kingdom? And this is, not, this is a, a participatory lifestyle that Jesus calls us to. He wants us to embrace the life and, and the hope that we have, the kingdom right here, right now, growing continually from, from Jesus ushering in until today, and it continues to grow in and through each and every one of us. And my hope is that we will perceive differently this world around us, that we have work to do to grow ourselves, to grow in the world around us, to be more like Jesus, and to share the gift of grace that he has offered to each and every one of us. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for the gift of story, for the way that you move us and change us, and, and the way that we can perceive your presence even now in this time. Help us to be moved by you, moved by your story, moved by your presence to be more like you. Help us to embrace this kingdom-minded lifestyle, to, to live for the King so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ through your life, death, and resurrection. We can have life eternal. Help us to embrace this. Help us to live into the promise of your hope, of your kingdom, and help us to be changed by the presence of God here in this moment and by the stories that you have provided for us so that we can grow in relationship to you and in relationship to the world. We pray this together in the name of Jesus, and may our, our faith grow and grow from that of a mustard seed to something that overwhelms and overcomes the world. And all of us agreed and said, amen.